I think about time a lot. From what it was like in the 80s to whether I'm in my prime or not. My name is Jason Peters. I've hosted radio shows, made videos, and podcasts before. Probably not all my best work. Likely things for you to ignore. Sure, this is yet another podcast, but this time I want my listeners to be in on the process. Welcome to 2100. Let's talk about progress. I'm using production value and poetry to get media companies to notice me. Am I going to keep rhyming? I might. It can get pretty trite. And I'll pick that back up when the timing is right. So, 2,100. What exactly is this podcast? Think of this podcast as a time capsule to the people of the year 2,100. In this series, we look at a town and inventor's legacy and many other strange topics in an attempt to explain the past to the future. We'll also be talking about what the future holds, the difference that time provides, and how ridiculous human behavior actually is. I, Jason, host, book, edit, and produce every episode of this podcast independently. There will be very few commercials this entire series because advertising destroys good things. I never intended to profit directly from this series, or at least from this season. Let's hope for a season two where I do get paid. But, however, I believe the fact that I'm not making a ton of money or any money off of this makes it all a little bit more wholesome and and adds something else to it. The idea for this podcast series came about in 2017 when I was reading futurist Michio Kaku's book, Physics of the Future, How Science Will Shape Human Destiny and Our Daily Lives by the Year 2100. I was really interested in this idea of how the daily lives of people will change from now until 80 years from now in 2100. To be fair, a lot of logistics of how physics works and how the technology specifically works in Michio Kaku's book is a little bit over my head. He spent years talking to more than 300 scientists in relation to technologies already in development right now in 2019, 2018, whatever year you're listening to this to, and that are set to change the course of the future. He believes that people alive in the year 2100 to us by our perception will be living like gods. Listen to this man, Michio Kaku, at the American Museum of Natural History in 2011. ...who remember this. However, now, let's talk about your grandkids, your great-grandkids. How are your flesh and blood going to be living in the year 2100? As told to me by these scientists, they tell me that We will view them not as sorcerers and wizards. We will view them as gods, like Greek gods. And think of what the Greek gods could do. Zeus could simply mentally control objects around him. And we can do the beginnings of this now. Mental control of computers just by wishing it. We can make things come true. Remember, I'm not a science fiction writer. I'm going to show prototypes of everything in this lecture. And there are perks being a god, too, you know. Hey, Venus had a perfect body and an ageless body. Not bad. And Apollo. He could ride across the heavens in a chariot. Yes, we will have our flying car. For you skeptics out there, we will have our jetpack and our flying car. And Pegasus was part horse, part bird. We will have zoos of extinct animals. We will be able to bring back extinct animals. So let's break it down. I'm now going to show you prototypes 
of the year 2100. By the way, my favorite Star Trek episode was this. Rather than listening to Michio Kaku use Star Trek as a metaphor to explain the future to an audience, I'm going to skip forward to Kaku speaking about Moore's Law, which is probably the primary variable that scientists consider when predicting the future of technology. So, with that being said, I will allow a real scientist to carry on explaining the science things. Michio, the floor is yours. Is indistinguishable from divinity. We used to fear the gods. One day we will become them. And how will we do it? Well, first of all, there's something called Moore's Law. Moore's Law says a computer power doubles every 18 months. Now look at this on a log chart. Look at this curve. On a log chart, it's a straight line. You can set your watch to this curve. This is the source of the wealth of nations in the last 50 years. You realize that today, when you get a greeting card, a happy birthday card, you open it up and sings happy birthday to you. There's a chip in that birthday card. That chip has more computer power than all the Allied forces of 1945. Hitler, Eisenhower, Churchill would have killed to get that chip that you get in the mail that sings happy birthday. And what do you do with it? You throw it away in the garbage. And your cell phone. Your cell phone today has more computer power than all of NASA in 1969 when they put two men on the moon. In fact, when you see all these old videos of the moonshot, look at those computers. 64K memory computers. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get into that space capsule knowing that I was backed up by 64K computers. You have more in your cell phone than all of NASA. Well, look at this curve. And people within the scientific community do not all agree about Moore's Law. They agree that it happened, but they do not agree about how long it will continue or if it's even still currently happening right now. So there's ideas like, what if Moore's Law ends and this is the best technology gets, which does not seem to be reasonable. Michio Kaku's under the impression that we get to the point of godliness, which I'm not saying I agree entirely with. He also said that he believes uh, flying cars will happen, and you'll hear how many people in this goddamn series mention flying cars. Um, (laughs) But I'll stay off that. The scope of 2100 is not just about technology and science. It's about human history and human behavior. If there's one thing that I know about history, according to John Green of Crash Course History on YouTube and Malcolm Gladwell, history is written by the victor, which is something that always bothered me because right now I'm not Abe Lincoln. I'm, I'm just Jason in my house, in my little room, talking in this microphone. I technically, in the lens of history, am a non-victor. So I want to leave my, my story behind, the story of someone who's not doing that great. There are snippets of mythology, tone, manipulation, and bias built into the history of the world that we all know and understand. There is proof everywhere. Look at the narrative behind Christopher Columbus. I attended grade school from 2001 to 2006, during which time period I was taught that Christopher Columbus was a great explorer credited with discovering America and the New World. Then, around 2010, 2011, the tone around Columbus began to change. His atrocities were unearthed and discussed openly in relation to enslaving, killing, and mutilating the natives of the places he landed. Now it's 2019, 
and the general consensus is that Christopher Columbus was a piece of shit. This is a man that died in 1506. For 500 years, we've debated one man's legacy. People do not ever, ever get the whole truth. History is a game of telephone. No matter how many textbooks are printed, no matter how much shit is put on the internet, there is always an author with an angle or a publishing company that's funded by someone who doesn't believe in X, Y, or Z. Compare the fake news epidemic of 2016 and 2018 to the rewriting of American history in the South following the Civil War. It was just people with different narratives trying to switch what the world is talking about. In the South, they rewrote textbooks and hung up monuments to change the way people felt about the Civil War and the past of their own communities. In 2016 and 2018, we are so segmented onto our phones that all you have to do is water down these algorithms and then you get fed a different narrative of the world. These are just different levels of different disinformation campaigns. None of these problems are specifically new. Humans just aren't that creative. All the new tricks are just the old tricks repackaged. My favorite part about this podcast premise is that in theory, I have little to no control over the narrative. The narrative is not to be judged in real time by the current listeners. It is to be judged by the people of 2100 years after I am dead. There is nothing to gain other than some false sense of legacy and security, which I do not much care for. There is little to no incentive to lie. My dream is that 80 years from now, the people of 2100 listen to this series and are horrified and confused about the way that we speak and the things that we care about. The same way I'd be phased if someone from 100 years ago left something for us in 1918. So whether you're listening to these words spoken in 2019, 2040, or 2100, my name is Jason Peters. And I'd love to provide some perspective into my daily life on the date I wrote these words down. The date is October 3rd, 2018. The time, 10.17 a.m. I'm working as a server at a restaurant in South Philadelphia on the corner of 20th and Federal Street in the Point Breeze neighborhood of Philadelphia. There are anywhere between 12 and 15 drunk homeless men standing on the block right outside of my restaurant next to the police station. There's one customer outside. I get to know all my customers. She's a woman from Indiana. While I write inside, she sits outside. She ordered a $15 meal that consists of waffles made up of a sweet potato batter topped with a poached egg, fried chicken, served with honey mustard hollandaise and syrup. She brought her own champagne to a BYOB restaurant and spent $5 on orange juice so she could make mimosas. This building is owned by a realty company that is gentrifying massive parts of the city, and I don't love the ethics about working here. But... I'm a 23-year-old man in $80,000 of student loan debt and need to work two jobs just to get by. It's 72 degrees Fahrenheit or 22 degrees Celsius. And I make that distinction because there is no way that in 2100, people are still using Fahrenheit as a degree of temperature. It makes no sense to be using in 2019. It made no sense to be using in 1999. America just doesn't switch to the rest of the world's metrics either out of good old-fashioned laziness, which I would respect, or because the American government intentionally makes common distinctions between itself and the rest of the world in an attempt to foster a subconscious sense of nationalism. But 
That's not my call, and I'm not going to start spreading conspiracy theories on my future podcast. However, I'm going to keep things lighter this series, keep them a little less political, do some nice stuff, take the tension off me. So that's why I went out and I asked other people about what they thought about the future. So now, a quick shout out to my friend Ben Volano for this dope-ass theme song. Okay, uh, could you please tell me your name, year of birth, one interesting fact about yourself, and a few defining features prevalent to who you are? Okay, my name is Maurice. Uh, I was born in 1976. Um, interesting fact about me is that I have seven kids, and a defining factor of me, a defining factor of myself, I would say um, I'm a hard worker. Okay, um, how old do you think you'll live to? Like, what year? What year or age? Either or. Um, I get myself. I get myself seventy three. Seventy three. So you think you're about to? You'll make it to like the two thousand forties, two thousand fifties. What do you think your life would be like, or life will? Oh. You storming for them chicken fingers. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'm just doing a little interview. I'm interviewing for something. Right. Uh. <laughs> I'll interview her too. Uh, what would you like? What would your life be like in two thousand one hundred, or what do you think life will be like in the year two thousand one hundred? Honestly, I think we'll be close to the Jetsons by that time. You said, hold on. You said when? When? Two thousand one hundred. Two thousand one hundred. So right now, twenty eighteen. Yeah, we twenty eighteen. About hundred years from now. Um, darn, I don't know. Um, that's a good ass question, Doug. How the world would be in 2100. I, yo, I, yo, the, I, I got so many views. I got so many different views. Take me anywhere. Like, Take me anywhere. Like Mad Max, like Mad Max I'm thinking of. Like I'm thinking of flying cars. I'm thinking of uh, just just technology is going to be like overpowering everybody. That's uh, everybody. Tech, it's just going to be so tech, technologic. It's, it's going to be crazy. That's all I know. Flying cars. People not going to be walking. We're going to be sliding on those little Jetsons things down the street. That's how I, I feel as though it's going to be. How about, like, people? What do you think, like, your everyday life's going to be? Like, how do you think the people are going to be? I, I think people going to be more, uh, I don't think people going to be more, uh, people going to be less social, I think. I think people going to get less social as uh, time go as time go on, all honestly. Right. All right. Thanks for the Interesting. Uh, could you please tell me your name, 
year of birth, one interesting fact about yourself, and a few defining features prevalent to who you are. First and last name, or? Yeah, do whatever you want. My name's Tori. I'm, uh, I was Sit born back. in 19... 19- Sit back, <laughs> you weirdo. Move closer to me, too. All right, you gotta relax. All right, all right. All right. Could you please tell me your name? My name's Tori. Uh, year of birth? 1996. An interesting fact about yourself. Um, I've lived in four different cities within a year. And a few defining features prevalent to who you are. Like anything? Yeah, anything. I like sports. I like musical theater. <laughs> I, I... All right, that's fine. Yeah. Um, how old do you think you will eventually live to? Oh, God. I'm pray- We were just talking about this the other day. I'm praying for like 100. I actually wouldn't mind living to 100. So like 20, 90 what? 93, 94? You were born 2096. Oh, you were not. You were born in 96? I was born in 96. Oh, 96. Oh, I'm dumb. I'm dumb for, <laughs> for how I thought it. the years worked. Okay. So 96. So you want to live to 2096. I'd just like to see where the world is no, at that but, point. No, but if you're 100, well, that's then you're going to appreciate this next question. Mm. Uh, what do you think life will be like in the year 2100? A mess. Either, like, just, like, a spiral downwards or, like, the Jetsons. You know? Floating chairs, floating dogs, talking dogs. You've never seen the Jetsons? I've seen the Jetsons. It's they have floating the, chairs. That's not what the look is for. <laughs> okay, okay. So just, just go into more of what you mean. Like, think about your life right now. Mm. How would... Uh, How would my life, like, evolve? No, imagine your life right now. And then put it in 2100. What what are you waking up to? What is waking up? What what you, what are you doing? Oh, hopefully I'd wake up. Um, what am I doing? I don't know. I'd like to like, jump out of a plane maybe at 100. That'd be fun. I don't think anyone's done that. You're, you're misunderstanding my question. No. <laughs> All right. So what am I waking up to? You're 21 right now. You're 21 right now. I'm 21 right now. So imagine you are 21 in the year 2100. Oh. I thought you said what life would be like then. Mm. Oh. I feel like, okay, you ever see Spy Kids, the first one? Yeah. You know when they put a Pop-Tart in a microwave and it comes out a hamburger? That's what I envision, like, later in the 2000s to be like. Does that make sense? That's definitely an answer to your question. It's it's an answer to my question. (laughs) Like, I envision technology to be very evident in the future. I would hope that we aren't like uh, Wally. Yeah, I was gonna. I was, yeah, I was feeling a Wally reference. Yeah, I hope I don't want that. I don't want to sit in a chair forever. That's. That, I think that chair would be nice to sit in when I want to relax. See, that's what I think is very improbable about those kinds of uh, those. F- ideas towards the future like what, uh, the technology taking over well i understand no the technology has already taken over because t- technology takes over gradually it's already so yeah. integrated in our lives that it's only going to amplify as time gets faster that's true but i'm thinking like the the chairs thing doesn't make sense you mean like the wally chairs yeah like, like I c- all of us in space mm-hmm. yeah i agree I, I don't think that's not the immediate future maybe deep down one pe- people are going to tap out yeah after, like, the Sixth World War. <laughs> We're coming up close on a possible second. You know what I think? Or third. The third! <laughs> I corrected myself before you. Shut up. I feel like uh, World Wars are kind of like uh, when you're drunk and you break the seal. 
when the first one happened, they're like, yeah. well, we're going to keep doing it until yeah, there's no more people. That's true. <laughs> My fear is another civil war. In America? Well, it's, it's just move. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I almost stayed in London. Yeah, I'm, I agree. Um, I wish I did. But regardless, that's all I have to ask. Yeah, cool. I hope it's like the Jetsons. So I decided to play the audio of uh, Tori and Reese back to back because in 2019, there's so much division between people, whether it's politics, uh, economics, race. But we had two extremely different people in Reese, who is a father of seven. He's a black man from Philadelphia and in his 40s. And then Tori, who's a sorority girl from the main line in her 20s. And not to both devalue them both down to those descriptions. But however, these two people on paper are polar opposites. And they said the same exact things about their vision of the future. They talked about the advancement of technology. They both mentioned the Jetsons. Both mentioned flying cars. Both mentioned different media, movies, and television shows that showed them images of what the future could be like. And those are traps that everyone falls into. So when Reese responded like this to my question... 2,100? Mm. So right now, 2018. Yeah, we're 2018. About 100 years from now. Um, Darn, I don't know. Um, That's a good-ass question, Doug. How the world would be in 2,100... I, yo, I, yo, I, I got so many views. I got so many. Different- I wasn't all that surprised because envisioning the future is genuinely hard. We heard Tory bring up World War II, the Civil War, spy kids. People revert to what they know happened in the past. Some make wilder guesses than that. Listen to what twenty-two-year-old Blaze had to say. You know, I. That's uh, just- you have more questions? Um, there are more. Why? Right. There is one more. It was, when do you think you'll die? And yeah. you said, when you're 45. Yeah. From 96. So, what do you think the world would be like in the year 2100? Am I still alive? No, you said you'd uh, it, it, you s- You already said no in the uh, last question, sir. I, okay. Like what do you think the word w- world would be like? Um, go on. Everyone yeah, robots and dinosaurs come back. <laughs> <laughs> dinosaurs come back. I like that. <laughs> dinosaurs make the greatest comeback <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> no one they is They just come s- back. Like, Hold on. No one's going to see that coming. <laughs> In 2100, you're thinking you dinosaurs and robots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think people can make it and dinosaurs are going to come back. We can have a good laugh at the idea of dinosaurs making a comeback, but Michio Kaku had literally talked about bringing back extinct animals and maybe there's some situation out there where humans die off and dinosaurs is the only thing that can make it through 2100. But I do not, I, I don't, I, that's not neither here nor there. I'm just saying why it's not that ridiculous. Asking Tori, Reese and Blaze about 2100 is like asking someone returning to Philadelphia from World War One in 1918. What do you think 2018 will be like? It's a good ass question, dog. So let's consider someone from 1918. I was always taught to get to know the future. You should look back to the past. So let's get some contact on the past by backtracking 100 years.
1918, when this was music. World War I is coming to an end. President Woodrow Wilson is in office. Deadly massive flu outbreaks are running rampant, killing percentages of entire populations. Fire safety is a primary focus, and train wrecks killed 300 people this year. The birth of Russian communism is among us. We're roughly 50 years away from the Civil Rights Act. And from 1914 to 1920, more than half a million black Southerners participated in the Great Migration North, changing America's landscape forever in search of better lives. In general, most pleasantries of life are an afterthought. Sports are in a state of disrepair during war efforts. Vaudeville is a worthwhile form of entertainment, 10 years away from the introduction of television. 86% of America was Caucasian. People in the cities are just hearing jazz for the first time. The average woman in 1918 lived to 49 years old, could not vote, and was educated to roughly 8th grade or as educated as one can be in 1918. The average man lived to 47, worked 55 hours a week, and in America, the average man and woman of this time period were poor, downtrodden, hardworking Americans, which I feel is a fact often lost when discussing history. We like to think that we'd be a blacksmith, the judge, or a founding father, or something old-timey and fancy and fun if we were alive in that time. However, the majority of people were peasants, low-class, struggling to get by, regular-ass people. Nobody special, like me, right now, in my time period, instead of the plight of a lack of running water, long work weeks, or lack of social mobility in 1918, I am tied to inescapable loans in a world ran by bureaucracy, and our flu is mental illness and drug addiction, and being plagued by the idea of if there's a purpose, you know? Stuff like that. But 1918... That was a time of less information, less knowledge. 14% of the population had running water. 25% of Americans were illiterate. On a governmental basis, World War I forced the American federal government to grow its power immensely, forcing 24 million men to register for the draft and expanding the role of the government, creating regulatory institutions in agriculture, transportation, and labor, allowing wages to grow, taxes to grow, and creating large-scale propaganda for the first time, the Minutemen. Things like the Sedition Act made it illegal to criticize war efforts, presidential candidate Eugene Debs spent three years in prison just for that. Time periods are always complicated, but taking the lessons of 1918 and comparing them to today, where most adults don't have the attention span to listen to a jazz record and vaudeville is extinct, times change rapidly. The average life of a man in 1918 is something that has been lost to time, much like how my lifestyle will be lost to time. And my parents' 23-year-old lifestyle has been lost to time. History is often devoid of humanity. It's important to me that I remind everybody listening that you are a part of history, too. See me? I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not Barack Obama. I'm Jason Peters, which apparently is worth something. My vision of the future follows a basic principle of cyclical behavior. History is constantly repeating itself with added excitement of whatever toys that time and science provide. The conversations and lives that we live are all directly tied to the time and place we live in. That being said, I don't believe in exceptionalism or the greatness of any one person. Luck is paramount. 
I can't be a Kennedy. I can't be a Trump. I am no Rockefeller. But I recognize my privilege of being a white man born in suburban America in 1995. What is that privilege? It's an extra 30 years on my life expectancy compared to an American man in 1918 or a man in Chad in 2018. It's access to plumbing, drinking water, shelter, vaccines, education, agency, and health. Life is about one thing. Right place, right time. Donald Trump's father, Fred Trump, made his fortune thanks to a favorable New York real estate subsidy from the American government in response to World War II. One piece of legislation never gets signed and history's altered forever. The future will be a lot like the past fundamentally, in a sense that people will still need to survive and feel fulfilled. Fulfillment is something I worry about more in the future rather than in the past. 2,000 years ago, survival was the point of life. Now we're at this point where fulfillment is the point of life. I can't sit here and be the judge of what the future will be, whether it will be good or bad, but we'll ask those questions later in the series. Time periods are ambiguous. You can't talk about better or worse without considering humanity as a whole. And there has always been suffering. Are we any better in 2018 than the people of 1018? I know that's a weird point to make, but that's the scale of time and morality. It's long term. People aren't comparable across time periods, something that I wish sports writers could understand. History is the best teacher. Until the earth rids itself of the human species, humans will tend to be varying levels of both good and bad. And only time will reveal which is which because everyone always thinks that they are the good guy. The future has potential that remains to be seen and understood. I'm kind of fascinated with time and the future. It's the premise of a lot of what I write about, and I went ahead and have made a podcast series about it. So, to the people of the future, if you've made it, if this has made it to you, mission accomplished by me. If one guy is here in this in 81 years, congrats, you guy. I'm Jason. I'm happy you're listening. Send it to other people. And if you're listening right now, in current times, send it to other people. It's the end of the episode. This is the time to promote. I didn't even mean to do that. Whatever, 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 whatever. So that means credits. Okay. Next episode, we'll be discussing the future of pets with the director of Philadelphia Animal Care and Control Team, Vincent Medley. Today, you heard audio from Michio Kaku at the Museum of Natural History. Music by Milo Raps, The Green Horse, The Ruby Yacht. Music by Charles Harrison. Music by my friend Ben Volano. Thanks to my guests Reese, Tori, Blaze, and Ronnie. Thank you for listening and happy 2100. Let's go. Uh.